Hello and welcome along to this latest episode of Edie's Susty Talks, our short but sweet audio interviews with sustainability leaders from across different sectors and from across the world. We started hosting these in the depths of COVID lockdown in 2020 and they work so well that we're continuing them into 2023 and it really is a call across the world for me today. Um, I'm on the line to the US with Ecolab's Chief Sustainability Officer, um, Emilio Tenuda. So thank you very much for your time, Emilio. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Sarah. Thanks for having us. No, thanks for making the time. I know it can sometimes be tricky coordinating across time zones. Often when I call the US, it's me winding down for the day and then poor speaker just about finishing their first cup of coffee. So thank you for taking the time in the morning. Of course. Fabulous. And I know that you and I haven't um, actually interviewed before. So if I'm unfamiliar with Ecolab and with your role, I'm sure we'll have people that are listening that are also unfamiliar. Um, so to start off, it'd be great to start with a little introduction to yourself and to Ecolab um, in your own words. Absolutely. So as you pointed out, I'm the Chief Sustainability Officer for Ecolab. I actually have a uh, undergrad in chemistry, and I, I, I've also combined that with an MBA from Northwestern, which has served me well in my 39 years at Ecolab, which includes about 25 years of, you know, technical and business management experience in, in a number of industries from food and beverage, automotive, which is where I got my start, steel, pharma, and more. But the last 11 years, Sarah, I, I have been leading our sustainability efforts at Ecolab. And a little bit about Ecolab, just so for our audience to know that we're a global sustainability leader offering water, hygiene, and um, infection prevention solutions and services that protect people and the resources vital to life. And so I get the pleasure every morning of waking up knowing that we're really making a impact in, in the world. We are 100 years old as of this year, and uh, which is amazing. We have 40, about 48,000 associates that operate in about 170 countries around the world. And we deliver what I like to think of as a comprehensive science-based solutions that are driven by data in our world-class services, because half of our associates, about 25,000, actually work alongside of our customers in various industries to advance food safety, maintain clean and safe environments, optimize water and energy use. And we're always fo focused on operational efficiencies that can lead to sustainable outcomes for our customers, whether it be food, healthcare, life sciences, hospitality, or the industrial market. So that's a little bit of background on me and, and Ecolab. Great, I mean, clearly I, I could have done a person personal profile with you, the number of different industries that you've worked in with sustainability. Um, but we're here about Ecolab today, and I'm really interested about how sustainability strategizing works at these kinds of companies. So in the UK, um, we call them mission-led businesses, so businesses that inherently offer products, technologies, services that somehow benefit people in the environment. And in some cases, the business just stops there. They're like, this is how we do sustainability. Um, so how do you make sure or that you have a robust strategy to go beyond um, just, yeah, being Ecolab and doing the day-to-day -day with the with the services that you mentioned? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and it really starts off with um, obviously being a purposeful company. As you mentioned, sustainability is core to Ecolab's purpose. And for a century, 
we've had a business strategy that's been focused on protecting people and vital resources to life. And so in my in my work, in my what I consider to be my ambition is to have, you know, we have 48,000 in the organization. I want to have 48,000 ambassadors when it comes to sustainability. Now, our value proposition over the last 100 years hasn't changed. It's helping our customers advance their business objectives while also you know, uh, delivering operational savings and reducing their dependencies on what I consider natural resources around water, energy, and waste. But it begins from the top, right? So Christoph Beck, our chairman and CEO, and and it then cascades down to the rest of the 48,000 associates. And we operationalize our strategy through a sustainability advisory uh, executive team that we uh, meet with on a quarterly basis. So that's C-suite, business and functional leaders for the company. And that's really important because it, you can't assume that that top-down commitment is always there. And so we meet quarterly with the aim of operationalizing our 2030 impact strategy, which is our ambitious goals around water, climate, food, and health. And our strategic pillars align with our business strategy, which is so important because um, you know, we're on track, for example, to helping our customers conserve 300 billion gallons of water by 2030. Now, to put that in perspective, that's equivalent to the clean drinking water needs of a billion people. We'll have a billion people on this planet by 2030, additional people. And so everything we do really focuses on addressing these three strategic questions. How does it align with our, our business strategy? What is the impact to the planet? And thirdly, very importantly, is what are the implications to society at large? And so delivering on people, planet, and business health has been our purpose for 100 years. And, and you know, quite honestly, Sarah, the world needs us more than ever today. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're meeting now as the UK, where I'm based, is probably set to be declared in drought for a second summer um, running because it was said last year that all it would take was a week of hot weather this year to put us back into um, drought and where internationally people are probably focused on international climate finance and adaptation as leaders meet in Paris to try and get more funding for um, adaptation. So as you mentioned, it's important to save the water, yes, but it's, it's also important to work on how we better finance the distribution or the redistribution um, of the, that water. So with that in mind, I was really happy to be sent um, some notes about Ecolab's involvement in the Water Access Fund. So a 140 million US dollar commitment um, jointly, multiple big companies to support people with access not only to water, but also sanitation and hygiene. So it'd be great to hear a little about how that come, came about and how, how that is, is part of those pillars that you mentioned. Well, let me start off with uh, contextualizing what you talked about in the UK or, or, you know, in France or Europe at large on the water crisis. There's nothing more essential to life on Earth than water, right? Yet there is a global water crisis. People are struggling to access the quantity and quality of water they need for drinking, um, cooking, bathing, hand washing, and growing their food. And we know that more than 2 billion people lack access uh, to safe drinking water. And this is an issue that's only going to get worse in years to come with climate change. And so according to the World Resource Institute, WRI out of DC, which is a think tank, 
by 2030, business as usual will lead to a 56% water deficit. That's alarming when you think about it. It's only you know seven years away. Um, so that means that we need to act and we need to act quickly. And so the world leaders, which is why the world leaders gathered in New York at the first UN water conference in nearly 50 years, okay, to coordinate a response to this crisis. And the UN in an organization called the Water Resilience Coalition, which is a CEO-led coalition that Ecolab and, and uh, seven other companies were co-founders in, which is really driven around engaging CEOs around the biggest companies in the world to really raise the priority of the water crisis up the corporate agenda. And so in New York, the focus was on, hey, we're behind on the UN SDG 6 goal on water, sanitation, and hygiene. Our collective objective at the UN event was to really accelerate you know, meaningful change that we needed to have on the ground that supports local communities and ecosystems and economies. And so we, on March uh, 16th, through the Water Resilience Coalition, launched this investment portfolio and we unveiled this, this fund that you spoke of, the Water Equity Global Access Fund for, which was, which is 140 million in investments, which is, think about it, it's, it's going beyond philanthropy to really drive action around the crisis and specific to access when it comes to water, sanitation and hygiene for those vulnerable communities and individuals that need it. And so to your point, uh, five of the WRC, the Water Resilience Coalition member companies, Starbucks, Ecolab, Gap Inc., Reckitt, um, DuPont, we all came together with, with an investment uh, to join this public commitment. And by the way, that also included the U.S. Uh, International Development Finance Corporation uh, from the U.S. government in terms of, of supporting this fund as well. And the the in the end, it's not only a, a good business decision for all of us, but it's also this fund will help up to 5 million people in at least eight countries gain access to water, sanitation, and hygiene, which to me is what it's all about when it comes to addressing this crisis. Great, well, I look forward to hearing more about what happens on the ground um, with the fund, so I'm sure we can catch up later. Um, but I wanted to get your advice on, I'm sure we've got people listening that are like, oh, beyond philanthropy, my company has been doing philanthropy for a while, they're a bit stuck in their ways. How could I motivate my company to look at a bolder coalition, a similar collab collaboration to the Water Resilience Coalition? So what would be um, your advice to anyone that's looking to do this that maybe doesn't have those quarterly meetings with the board that you mentioned or a board that's quite as forward thinking as, as Ecolabs? Yeah, so I think with the great question is with the water and climate crisis experience today that we talked about already, we're seeing um, you know, this issue uh, disrupting and challenging uh, water resources all over the world because of climate change. And that has significant operational risks to businesses. And so one of the factors that we really focused on as part of this coalition for those to take note of is really to understand what is that business implication that supports this water coalition, um, you know, um, you know, engagement that we needed to have. And so I think it's incumbent on those that are considering developing a coalition is number one, is there a coalition out there that's addressing this 
this issue or challenge or crisis. The second is, what are the implications that it has to your operating costs, your supply chain interruptions, your growth constraints, brand damage? Clearly, there's a growing concern of ESG investors, right, that are investing companies that are facing these challenges. And so those were all major factors that went into this decision to create this coalition. Now, the one thing I'll also say that, you know, there's examples of this being, um, you know, so important, I think, from a, you know, water crisis, from a humanitarian challenge, which we talked about earlier, but it also has business implications. And the good news is the problem, it's a problem that businesses can help solve and they can have a big impact. And so we talked about the Water Resilience Coalition, you know, we reported it during the, the launch of the coalition in 2020 that 150 of the largest companies have the ability to impact a third of the freshwater use on the planet, you know, when you consider their supply chain as well. So adopting smart water management practices is a benefit to organizations on a number of fronts. And so using less water lowers their water scarcity risk, and it also saves energy, which obviously impacts our greenhouse gas emissions. So in the end, I think it's uh, understanding the business implications, what are the societal impacts that this could potentially have with a coalition? And then thirdly, how does this enable us to bring together, because we can't do this alone, how to bring together industry players to really drive action where we need it at the local level? completely understand um, all of that. And I mean, I'd normally on these interviews start with what a company is doing internally and then go out to the collaboration in the big picture. But we've really gone just straight for the global water system, great straight for the big global um, project. I'm presuming that also part of having a credible collaboration like this is having your own house in order. So it'd be good to hear about how beyond this funding, which will help internally, what Ecolab is doing internally um, in terms of investment and risk management to meet those 2030 targets that um, that you've alluded to, Emilio. Yeah, it's imperative for businesses to have a clear, defined glide path and action plans around these their goals, right? And we're no different. And and that needs to start, you know, with it, you know, in order for us to really uh, drive action and uh, toward our 2030 ambition, that means that we have to set annual targets that get us to that long-term ambition. And so we're working very closely with the help of Christoph Becker, chief. Um, executive officer and chairman of the board and our chief supply chain officer and myself and his staff to really setting the glide path so that we can have these annual targets and metrics. But also, you know, I often talk about leading from the middle, which means giving, empowering those middle managers within the organization that are in facilities and manufacturing plants in our tech centers with the right tools and capabilities to drive action, right? And it's it's really based on four things, right? It's saying, what is our baseline from where we're starting the year? What is our ambitious target? What is the, uh, what is the roadmap in order for us to get there? And so that involves the solutions that in, in many cases, Ecolab has to deliver around smart technology uh, to, to manage water better and energy. And then finally, how do you, how do you progress and how do you measure that progress? And we have something called the Ecolab Cloud, Ecolab 3D Cloud, that enables us to really understand 24-7 how we're progressing toward reaching those targets. And so the highlights, I think, are pretty clear. It's being able to really 
you know, engage our teams. But at the same time, we can't do it alone. So the 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 fact that we are a founding member of the Water Resilience Coalition says that we're also doing things outside of our operations that also align with the, the goals that we have. We're a, a co-founder of the Alliance for Water Stewardship, another big initiative that Ecolab um, has has helped launch. Uh, and then there's a number of other things that we do internally, by the way, Sarah. One that we're really proud of, just over a year old now, is our Global Sustainability Network, which is our employee-led uh, sustainability group, uh, ERG group that we formed that really supports the fact that we need to let everyone, if we're going to be 48,000 strong, we need to get everyone on board because this can't just fall, these 2030 goals can't just fall on the shoulders of the very few. No, I mean, we'd stay on to do the same amount of time talking then about employee engagement, Emilio. So thank you for that case study. Uh, but I do know that our time is very nearly running out. So I will bring our Sussy talk to a close. And thank you so much for, for hopping on the call and talking about all things sustainability strategy and water stewardship with me. Thank you so much. Wonderful. It was a great conversation. Thank you, Sarah, for having us.